The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at Australia's top football publication. This week we've been working harder than Pim Verbeek's hairbrush in a windstorm, covering news on the Socceroos, the Hyundai A-League and international football. I'm Paul Hansford and this week I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson, Hello. stat rat Trevor Trahan and uh, internet uh, guru journalist uh, Aidan Ormond. Hello. Um, before we get into all the news of the week, which obviously uh, is massive with the kickoff of the A League, we're going to go back and do a review of uh, A League round one. First game up in that uh, round was Melbourne victory against Central Coast Mariners, and the, the season began with a bang with the uh, defending champions losing to Central Coast, thanks to Matt Simon's brace. Is that. It took 15 minutes of the new A-League season for all our predictions to go out the window, mm. first round and season long. Um, yeah, a bit, of a, a bit of a surprise, really. I think there's so much caught and cold, but a lot's been said about them having a game plan, knowing exactly what to do, you know, knowing the Melbourne's uh, strengths and theirs and playing the game plan out perfectly. So it was a surprise result, but, you know, well done to them. Mm. Yeah, so again, you know, just write the Mariners off at your peril, really. You know, Laurie went there with a, with a game plan. They executed it well. Melbourne weren't really, didn't really show much. They weren't really flexible enough to change things, you know, and, and that thing. They, they got the lead. They sat on it. Melbourne didn't really threaten. I thought when Nicky Ward came on, I thought they, they upped it a bit. I was quite surprised to see Seleski not playing. Um, yeah. I thought he had a great season last year. I think that he, him and Nicky Ward have got that ability to move the ball a bit quicker, which was where they were lacking, I think. Mm. I think the ball just wasn't moving around the park quick enough for them. Mm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they cope with the loss of Musket. I think that'd be a big loss. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually made a mistake. I said Matt Simon scored two, but Michael McGlinchey scored. Uh, that was, he looks like a pretty tidy player for the, for the Mariners, Aiden. Do you? You see much of him in yeah, pre-season? Yeah, look, I think McGlinchey and also uh, Nicky Travis, probably a little bit more technical than, than perhaps some of the other players that they've brought in in the past. But I think um, the thing that always struck me about Melbourne victory was that it is a little bit predictable. You kind of know what you're going to get with them. And I think it's going to be... A, I think this season we're going to see a lot more teams knowing how to deal with them, particularly in Melbourne. But as for the Mariners, I think the test for them is can they can they achieve the same outcome at home when they've got to actually push a little bit more rather than defend? Because they defend beautifully, mm. but I think the question marks are still about going forward, and I think Friday night, the F3 derby, will answer a lot of those questions. A, a point about Matt Simon. Matt Simon's a player that gets a lot of criticism. You know, I, I read on our forums and in the office and stuff. He, he does Mike, get a, Mike Hemingway? Yes, yeah. Um, he does get a lot of stick, and by no means am I saying he's a great player or a complete player. But in terms of a young Aussie player that plays that, you know, solo role, gets yeah. goals eleven last season. He one, actually he does reminds a job. me of, of a young Graham Arnold. I'm not. This is absolutely. Arnie was a very similar player to Matt Simon. He worked really hard. He would pick up goals at, at crucial times. Um, wasn't the most technical, but he was. He was a hard worker and could score. Yeah. Uh, next game up on the list was uh, Adelaide against Perth Glory. Lots of expectations with Perth with all their new signings, but Adelaide stifled them and uh, came away with. Uh, a 1-0 victory 
Yeah, I mean, Adelaide has sort of flown under the radar a bit in the build-up to this series. Everyone's been talking about the new teams and, you know, the new signings at Perth and how Sydney were going to go and would Melbourne go back-to-back. And you sort of forget that, you know, Adelaide's squad hasn't really changed that much. You know, I mean, they've lost Oblonovsky, but beyond that, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty solid, you know, and, and I think they showed that. You know, I thought they, they play well. Again, they're compact. They've got some pace up front. They've not got the unpronounceable surname guys had swine flu they've still got him Lloyd to come back. Lloyd uh, Lloyd Lloyd yeah. yeah they've still got him to come in which would be interesting because we don't really know that much about him but um, but yeah I thought Adelaide did well and, and to me showed that they, they're going to be tough to beat this season I guess we'll find out against Sydney this weekend I was really surprised at the crowd I think that was the only yeah, game on the weekend where it, it was actually higher than I expected mm. yeah. um, and it, it, it's a great place to play I mean you, Paul you've been there yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's a lovely stadium great little stadium yeah yeah. There was a bit of criticism of Adelaide's tactics. Trip. Well, that's what I was going to move on to. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dave Mitchell before the game was, you know, criticising Adelaide, saying, you know, they play in this certain way and, you know, this is what they do and this is what I expect them to do. Adelaide then went out, did that and won 1-0. Now, Dave Mitchell knew exactly how they were going to play. You can't bemoan the tactics if you already know them. His job as coach of Perth is to organise them in a way to break mm. Adelaide down and win. You know, Adelaide are missing, you know, one of their main strikers so they're making the best of what they've got and mm. there's been other criticism from you know other media about you can't play this long ball game you shouldn't play this way the fact is you put tactics in place to win games and you can't criticise the Mariners or Adelaide for winning their opening games because they use tactics which won football games and that's the whole point of playing them mm. and Mitch is under a hell of a lot of pressure right now he needs to sort this out very quickly this is a coach who hasn't got a particularly good record of success in the NSL and, and in the A-League the pressure is on him he needs to sort this out and talking about Adelaide trash talking before the game as far as I'm concerned was right out of order mm. were you surprised not to see Branko Jelic start? I haven't seen him play, so it's hard to say. He certainly looked looked fit when he came on. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. I, I, I didn't think Stajowski really did much in that advanced position. I'd prefer to see him wide right and yeah. give Yelich a run up front with, with Daddy and, and, and see what happens there. But um, Fifey uh, gave him a bit of a, bit of a scene to, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's making his presence felt, wasn't yeah. he? So. Well, uh, next up was the Queensland Fury against Sydney FC, part of Super Saturday, which saw two great games. Uh, first up was the, the Queen... Sydney tra- travelling up to Townsville for that game and coming out 3-2 winners pretty entertaining game wasn't it it was a cracking game yeah and I, I think um, North Queensland Fury surprised a few people I mean after the first half hour they were two down I was beginning to think you know the worst for them and all the uh, criticism they had for they didn't kick the ball might be true but you know even though they lost the game in the end they showed an important part of their game they had character and they've got fight and if you've got that over the course of the season you'll pick up points and particularly at home I mean when it starts getting hotter up there and they're, they're playing teams on Saturday afternoons I think you know that, that could be a really tough place to go I'm worried about how hot it's going to get for, for Robbie Fowler he's sitting there with an ice pack vest on at half yeah. time wasn't he and it wasn't even hot yet how good was his penalty though the way he struck it I, I know you, and the free kick he had before yeah, yeah. he's never going to lose that is he yeah. no. it, reminded me, it reminded me a little bit of Dwight's in season one where against Newcastle where he just ran up and did the old yeah. little chip yeah. you know to have that with the pressure on and you know that everyone's looking at you it's just that they're the little touches even from a penalty that, that separate those guys yeah. from, from the rest really mm. I thought there were two very important goal scorers 
scorers in this game. Robbie, um, you know, Robbie Fowler and John Aloisi. You know, for Aloisi to four minutes into the season to open his account and to equal his tally of the whole of last season in the first game, I, I think that will, yeah, you know, that that's fantastic news for Sydney. Great news for Aloisi and potentially good news for Socceroos in a World Cup. Yeah. And can I just add? I think Coffee Downing just added the little yeah. cherry on the the top of the cake for that one Great to score in front of John Aloisi and Robbie Fowler with a goal like that. Yeah. Um, I, I saw him at the airport. I greeted him when he came back. We did some press there and uh, big smile as always. And uh, he was just beaming and just just buzzing with the with the two goals that he scored. It's always interesting to see. Was it two goals? No, it was no, one. He goal. scored one. Yeah. I'm getting it's always it's interesting. Two, it should was. Have been, yeah, give should it should have been worth yeah. two. It's funny when you see players score goals. They you know they, they celebrate when they celebrate, but when they're back at the centre circle, it's uh, back to business. But I don't think I've ever seen a striker being able to stifle such a big smile as John Aloisi yeah. during that game. You know, you could see see the relief on his face that he'd yeah. scored the goal. So you know, as as Andy said, I think it's going to augur well for the Socceroos um, as well. We talked earlier a couple of weeks ago when Murray was on about you know the role Kofi Danning will play and would he, you know we talked then about would he start or would he come on as an impact player. I think he's answered that question. You know that position is his now for someone to knock him out of it. You know because he he had a fantastic game. Yeah. Mm. Well, straight after that match was the big Queensland derby, Brisbane Roar against Gold Coast United, and while it wasn't as tight as the previous game it was still as entertaining lots of storylines in there were we as entertained by that as the the previous game yeah I mean it was it was a cracking game but I think Brisbane was so wasteful in that and Gold Coast was so clinical and that's why they won 3-1 but there's something you know everyone was excited about seeing that smelts Porter and Kalina up front together and the three of them you know when they linked up for that second goal was absolute class and the way that um, you know Smeltz he tucked away that that first one like he does you know if they keep those three fit and playing well they're going to be very very difficult to to stop scoring and their Dutch guy at the back is it Van der Van der Brink Van der Brink Sebastian van der Brink looked good yeah. you oh, yeah. know and I think he's going to have to because um, as we'll move on to later they've lost Griffiths and stuff so for him to play well is another big plus I think what was really interesting was Joel Porter he was part of the two goals uh, the, f- the first goal and I think the Kalina goal as yep. well you know as a striker on his debut he'd probably want to score but you know he laid it off to Smeltzy in the first instance laid it off to Jason there's a, there's a striker who can, can work in with the team really well and I think that triumvirate those three terrific to watch I liked it I thought they had, thought they had, a, they had a good swagger about them yeah. Gold Coast I liked it you know it's like they, lived, they came out they lived up to the hype you know it's still there you know, had they come out and lost their first game it would have been oh yeah you know but the fact that they've won it they've won it well they've scored some good goals Kalina again getting off the mark was an important goal scorer for the, for the league um, so I'm looking forward to, to watching the Gold Coast season because I think you know, they've got that little bit of arrogance well, Jason's, has got, Jason's got that feeling like he wants everything happening all the time and if players not running to certain positions he's getting a little bit yeah and you saw Fowler as well you know yeah. Fowler in the first few minutes you know was, was into the tackles was biting into the tackles was having to go at the linesman yeah. when he wasn't getting and that, that was great to see yeah. it says to me that you know, he's not just come down here for a paycheck and for a holiday you know, he's come down here to be competitive it's like he's holding his teammates to a higher standard there yeah. was a couple of errant balls and he was you know giving them a right bollocking for yeah. for that kind of stuff and uh, yeah that, that, that should drive the team on finally on, on the Sunday was the Newcastle Jets against Wellington Phoenix probably not as uh, marquee in adverted commas as some of the games that are going on but again another entertaining game of football yeah I'd spent the whole week getting stick for putting Jason Hoppen in my dream team <laughs> 
20 minutes in, you know, he's doing the goods. It was a bit of a surprise. I think a lot of people would earmark this as a kind of um, a potential wooden spoon playoff. Um, but I mean, I think it's a, a good result for the Jets to, to, to get off the mark. And Chris Greenacre. There he is, our Chris. Our Chris, already notched one. Well, that's an awful <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. But a disappointing crowd there as well. That that was the one standout for me that, that was just over 6,000, you know, opening game of the season at home. I think also Townsville was disappointing for yeah. me. I mean, under, under nine and I think overall the crowds were, were disappointing apart from Adelaide. Very disappointing, in fact. Well, that's some great stuff, lads. That's uh, round one all wrapped up. Join us after the break where we'll be having a look at the Socceroos' friendly win against Ireland and all the big news of the week, so join us then. Goldrick Farrell solicitors are here to help all sporting people, whether individuals, clubs or corporates, right across every code of sport in Australia and around the world. Goldrick Farrell solicitors offer professional advice from their lawyers and sports consultants. Whether it's negotiating or renewing contracts or securing the best arrangements for your personal, business or property interests, Goldrick Farrell solicitors have the team for you. Contact partner Barry Milan now on 02-92-67-73-11 or visit www.gfm.com.au. Cars Guide now have their own weekly podcast. Log on to carsguide.com.au and download the latest edition of Cars Guide Radio each week. All the latest automotive news, interviews with industry leaders, road safety advice, driving and car tips and lots of fun. So, if you're a car nut, join Joel Helms for Cars Guide Radio, available at carsguide.com.au or search for Cars Guide Radio. Radio on iTunes. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to part two of the Insider podcast. And before we go into the news of the week and the review of the soccer friendly, Andy Jackson off air has been uh, amazing us with his knowledge of entomology. Is that words or something? Oh, I, and I uh, think... Aidan asked what a brace was and, and Andy's explained it to us. So I, think the, I think the listeners need to hear this one. So tell us, what, what, why is a brace it's considered it's... two? As far as I know, could oh. be put it out there. It's a hunting reference to the fact it's something that used to hold two birds. So the so question was you'd go and you bag a brace, which a is brace you'd, you'd shoot two birds, two pheasants or two game birds or whatever, and you'd come back and say you bagged a brace. Guinea fowl. <laughs> and and that's Woodlands. Aiden that's Aiden Aiden's getting a, a latest transfer uh, rumour there. But <laughs> that's we could, that's uh, Google emailing back telling him that I've got it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Well look, moving on now to uh, probably more relevant issues. The Socceroos played a friendly overnight against Ireland in Limerick. It's a pretty good performance by the boys there. We we all suitably impressed by that performance? Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was a good performance. I, it, first sort of 10 15 minutes I thought it was going to be here we go a typical sort of game and I thought well, yeah but it sort of sprung to life with uh, with Tim's first goal which was a you know cracking goal you know the two of them combined Scott yeah. McDonald you know you can see on the replay there's four Irish defenders there they don't get anywhere near it and you know Shay given rooted to the spot you know it was a great strike very mm. clean and just uh, and again you know it just shows I'd say that that Tim Cahill is now 
absolutely more the most important player in the soccer is you know like I, was, I think he's taken that mantle from Kilwell and mm. truly now and I think the thing that struck me was how much the boys seem to enjoy playing in those conditions on that pitch in that type of weather and it just underlines how well they did in those places like Tashkent and Kunming and, and, and Manama how difficult that's that's where they feel most, most at home is places like Ireland and England to do what they've done it just I think it highlights for me the the incredible effort for the World Cup mm. I, I think it's a massive endorsement for the continuity of Australia's tactics we said before they're going to play 4-2-3-1 and it was a situation where they're playing the same formation the same tactics but different players because we're mm. getting used to seeing Australia playing like that and you know the squad's getting together even when you're seeing you know uh, Wilkshire and Jednak play that defensive midfielder role they know exactly what they're doing because that's the way Australia play every time so that's going to help in the World Cup because you know we know what we're doing if we get any injuries if we lose any of those players people are going to about a, you know slot in easily enough because they know what's expected from playing in that position it also makes it easier for Pim to uh, assess his players and the, the relative attributes of everyone mm. because they're playing yeah. in the system uh, that he knows uh, yeah. Australia's biggest attribute is I think their attacking midfielders and their defensive midfielders you know we've got Bresciano you know Cahill and Q, Q can play that I figured out we've probably got about six players that could play mm. in that defensive midfield mm. slot so if that's our strength then have a tactic that you know enables you to work around that and didn't didn't uh, Scotty McDonald enjoy having brace scoring uh, Tim Cale close to, closer to him he wasn't isolated yeah I mean I'll, do, I'll just put a blog up on this I think that's why Cahill is critical to that system because he's the midfielder that gets forward and elite and doesn't isolate the front man you know if if, if other if Cahill's not there then very quickly that front man gets isolated but as that first goal showed you know that that's what he brings I'd, I'd still like to see a plan B I'd still like us to look at potentially trialling a, a 4-4-2 with a diamond in midfield with one defensive midfield player and Kale at the front of the diamond with two out and out strikers in front of him just in case we find ourselves in the situation in the World Cup where we need a goal mm. in the last 10 or 15 minutes but I think, I think Pim, would, Pim would argue that most of the players would be used to that anyway yeah, but I'd still like to see him play it as a unit. I mean, I, I, I was a bit disappointed with a, with with Yedinak today. I, I, I think his his positioning's good. I think his aggression is good. I think he wins the ball well, but his distribution for me isn't quite there yet. You know, there's too many ten yard balls go astray, or he tries to pick a twenty you know, thirty yard ball and doesn't execute it. Um, Holman. I thought didn't really do, didn't really take his opportunity again. What what a ball yeah. from Q oh, in the second half. God. If that was Kale, uh, yeah. But on It'd the plus four. side, I thought the two fullbacks. I thought Carney and, and Reese Williams had great games. You know, and Reese Williams especially that the, for the I second really goal good. Yeah. showed that you know that, that that he's got the ability not. To, yeah, and he was facing a tricky customer as well. Let's not forget McGeady's not a bad player. Mm. Great um, name, Aidan McGeady. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah, and I thought he handled him well defensively and. You know, wasn't afraid to bomb forward and the danger when you're playing someone like that is you just think about a defending and obviously yeah. sometimes the best way to defend a player like that is to push him back into his own half which is what he ended up doing mm. yeah. I, I, I just felt that the, the Irish it, it seemed to me like we'd just come off a World Cup campaign and they were sort of in, a, in an off season yeah, mode. we just seemed sharper from the start the thing that surprised me which I was amazed at was that Trapattoni didn't push 
Kilban into midfield as soon as he saw the way that Australia was set up in a 4-5-1 he basically surrendered the midfield and left them with four at the back marking one player mm. you know and, and so that was why Australia were getting so much possession and, and given that Kilban's effectively a midfielder anyway and O'Shea is a centre back playing at full back I couldn't believe that they didn't go to a three man three men at the back three centre halves yeah. well look all positive yeah. stuff there from the Socceroos we've got a little bit of news that's been up on our website au442.com this week first up is uh, Lucas Neal saying he still can't decide which club he wants to go to obviously there was an impact there where he didn't play in the game yesterday but there's a few clubs in, in mind and he's still not sure what to I to cannot choose. believe he's not contract he's unemployed the Socceroos captain mm. you know he's not contracted so on the season starts at the weekend um, I really don't understand how he has, hasn't sorted it out and you know if we go back to I don't know if he's just deciding whoever's going to give him the most money then he'll, then he'll sign but you know the, you know, this late to the season to not have anything sorted. I think he should have stayed at West Ham, and it may have been a, a lower offer. But I said before, I think that's a good role for him. You know, regular football captain, one of the best football clubs in the world. You well, know, it was a, it was a good place for him to be. Which is not far from West Ham, one of the best football clubs in the world. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a few. It's a mystery. West Ham is still one of the teams on the table, so to speak, isn't it? But um, we're all in the dark about that one. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got. What, 48 hours till the season starts you want to hope that he was he'd signed by then I mean, yeah. does anyone know why he wasn't picked tonight I mean I, I assumed he was is he not fit is he just not fit because he's not he's not had a pre-season maybe, maybe something's happening that, that Pim's said look go and get it sorted maybe he's had to go he, he was, he there, was though, sitting on the sideline I got up just before kickoff so, and saw the team and I, I, just, like, I just think maybe if the, if the deal's within the next 48 hours the last thing he would want to do is play and friendly and injury himself that's probably a good shout might affect his chances of signing one of the other news stories back in the A-League is Kevin Muscat being out for up to six weeks with a, a torn hamstring that's obviously going to play a significant impact on the setup of the team and, and morale for the for the start of the season off the back of the loss as well yeah I mean, obviously you know, played every minute of last season so and, and he's, you know, he's sort of like the, the heartbeat of that side um, it looks like they're going to move uh, Matthew Kemp to centre back um, so that you know sometimes they, these things can force you into something that ends up uh, benefiting the side I think you know Kemp will move inside they'll probably play Berger and Surratt at full backs mm. I would have thought and I would hope that they, they'll bring Seleski in I, I just don't see a natural successor to Muskie anyway I don't see a, I don't see a leader in that group I mean you could talk about maybe Vargas because he's playing central but I just don't I feel be, there's a huge void between Musket and the rest of the squad not a void but there's Musket and there's no real natural successor. Well, he's, he's sort of positioned himself as that all-encompassing captain yeah. on that side and now yeah. someone else has got to step up to be that leader and whether that's Archie, whether that's Roddy Vargas, whether it's Brebner, mm. I don't know, but someone needs to because someone needs to lead that side. Well, it has to be somebody who's playing every week as yeah. well. I don't think Brebner's going to play every week, yeah. so... I, I, think they're, I think they're light at the back anyway. Um, I don't think they've got much cover. They haven't had to keep everyone fit. That's a massive blow. Mm could be a blessing in disguise though as Andy said is if you know he's only got one season left now it might be worth uh, finding out who's going to be that yeah. person to take his place uh, I think if he inj- re-injures himself I think he's going to have to ask the question is it better to, to jump out of the season now and, and like Popper did last year when he just decided that 
I think it was in Perth where he was just getting skinned for the first 15 minutes. Well, it was Rukovic, so it? just ran yeah. past him about And he was just in his, in his mind, it was just, that's it. Yeah. I think that, yeah. if that happens again with Muskie, I think he might ask the same question. We're moving over the other side of the pond, but still with a Melbourne victory connection. Michael Theoklitos had a nightmare that's... debut for Norwich oh. City. Playing oh, a, I hate first days in new jobs. But play, yeah. Playing Colchester United, he uh, picked the ball out the net seven times. And he's when... actually issued a public apology on a, on a radio station. When, when, the, when the fans, a fan gets on the pitch and he's throwing his season ticket back at <laughs> the manager after 25 minutes of the new season, you know, it's, it's not gone to plan. Yeah. I, I know it's a shocker. I, mean, you know, I felt sorry for him because, you know, it, it's never the goalkeeper's fault exclusively, but he did make a couple of howlers. The first one, well, look, I, I spoke the first to a, one and the, and the second one where he just pushed it straight back out yeah. into the player. I spoke to a, pl- a local player who knows one of the players he played against, Theoklatos, and his quote was, "He was well, I can't actually say, it, but um, four of the goals were definitely his fault." This is according to one of the players the, who played the against thing, The thing with keeper as well, as with a, you know, is more so than a lot of other positions, is it's such a confidence position, yeah. you know. And they took him out the firing line in the week and in the Carlin Cup, and they won four nil. So that's actually going to make him feel worse rather yeah. than better because the rest of the team went back out and won without him. So it's almost isolating him even more as the cause yeah. of that, you know. That that's an eleven goal swing. I suppose the one saving grace for him is that his manager is an ex goalkeeper, yeah. Brian. Gale. So yeah. he knows the kind of ups and downs, the roller coaster that is being a goalkeeper. I, th- so. I think you've always got to be be wary of things that you you dream about because he dreamed about playing in England for so long. He's now got what he dreamt about, and now it's turned out to be a nightmare. So yeah. for the Norwich fans as well, I mean, it's forty nine years since they've been you know in the third tier of English football. I think twenty five thousand of them came out thinking, well, you know, the best thing about getting relegated is, well, at least we'll get to see him win a few games this season. <laughs> and they all came out and they were five down at half time. Well, it's one of their near, nearest clubs as well, isn't it? Because like another, yeah. Yeah. another instance that the, uh, the Ipswich Norwich local local derby is the furthest local derby it's like about 45 miles yeah everyone considers it and the next nearest team is Colchester who they in Essex who they lost to and that's what Hammond. there's a lot of pheasants in Essex yeah, yeah, and they take the pheasants races yeah <laughs> well that seems like a fair pace to, to end this segment uh, facts at the beginning and the end of the uh, segment from Mr Jackson join us after the break where we'll be playing yet another new word game and previewing all the games in round two of the A-League join us then I just don't know what's wrong with some tradies today. Look at the vehicles they drive. More show than anything, and certainly not tough. I reckon some tradies have even gone soft. For real, fair income tough tradies, there's only one choice, Mahindra. Mahindra's range of 4x2 and 4x4 workhorse pickups and cab chassis know how to get the job done. And they won't cost an arm and a leg, starting at 19990 drive away. Visit your local dealer for a test drive today or visit mahindrapickup.com.au. Hi, I'm Russell White. No matter what a driver's age or experience, most take to the road in a totally underprepared state. As a result, more than 95% of road crashes are due to human error. But it doesn't have to be this way. Driversafety.com.au provides a new direction in driver training. We offer a range of programs to help improve your safety and enhance your experience on the road. To find out how we can help you with a complete driver safety solution, Visit driversafety.com.au today. Tomorrow could be too late. Back to 442 Insider.
Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider, part three. And uh, we're going to have a new game, but not the game that I've said it's going to be. The, oh. I'm going to surprise you boys. And the new game's going to be Challenge Trev. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> now, there's been a lot of banter going about in the office about Mark Schwarzer being my Premier League mate, which he is. And there's, you know, Trevor's he's been... Not. He's not. He's saying he's not. He's not. I have some audio evidence that I would like to play <laughs> to the group. And uh, this is what was said the other day. I just wanted to tell you that we have a little bit of banter at the office and uh, I'll call you my Premier League mate And uh, when, we're, when we're on the podcast and my deputy said that um, he doesn't believe that we're good friends so if I can organise with you to go out for a dinner anywhere in London he will pay for it so uh, if you want to have a look if you want to have a look for the most expensive restaurant and uh, we can uh, we can cane his bank account <laughs> no problem that sounds great alright mate well, that's sounds, not Mark Schwarzer. That sounds great. <laughs> that, I think that just proves our friendship. And um, yeah. yeah, I think we can close the door on whether Mark Schwarzer's a friend of How mine, scared yeah? did he sound then? Yeah. <laughs> he's seen your, he's seen your credit card. He knows premiership he's, stalker. He knows he's going to get chicken nuggets for a meal. But the, obviously the challenge now, Trev, is for you to get Michael Zulo, your um, A-League pal. I think I can, aim, I can aim higher than that. Yeah, all right. Well, let, let's see what you can come up with in the next couple of weeks. We want audio evidence and you can uh, surprise us one day in the podcast with that. Right. I'm on um, to but onto the onto the game that we said we were going to play. Um, fill in the headline. Uh, we're going to give uh, the boys in the podcast some headlines from the week's news on our website, and our panel are going to try and guess the missing word with hilarious consequences. Okay, so lads, you get your uh, get your journalism heads on. All aboard the chuckle bus. First one is seven one Theoklitos. I'm so blank. Out of my depth. Coming home soon. <laughs> Please don't say it. <laughs> I'm so 2000 and late. <laughs> like it. Just um, off the top of my head. Obviously, that was in uh, context with, with the news story we were just talking about before, so that needs no further discussion. Next one. Bugard desperate to blank jets. To fly. <laughs> <laughs> Bugard desperate to boogie with jets. Oh, I've got Bugard desperate to pull a jets player. Ah, okay, you had a little word on the end as well. Yeah, oh. I wasn't sure. Oh. I wasn't sure what the, the rules. What are the rules? I wasn't sure what the rules were, so I made up my own. That's a brace. Make them up, mate. Yeah. Uh, the actual one is Bugard desperate to down jets. Oh, so close. So close. Um, next one. Australia are now blank. Going to win the Ashes. <laughs> uh, not boring to watch anymore. Twenty-one point seven five million. Oh, Population, yeah, yeah. I had to think about uh, that. The thing, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, it's actually Australia are now invincible. Uh, invincible, I think is the invincible. The way you say it. Si parla italiano. Yeah. Invincible. That was uh, Danny Invincible being called up to the Socceroos for the Ireland game. Next one, Gan loving blank lessons. Maths. <laughs> Just because he looks so young. He's <laughs> still at school. Cookery. <laughs> I've got Gant loving Aloisi's kissing lessons. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything for that. That's okay. So yeah. I leave don't paper at the door and away. Yeah, yeah. The, the real answer is Gant loving Lavitska lessons. Next one. Surely that was an opportunity for loving Lavitska loca. Surely. <laughs> I just, I, it was too obvious. <laughs> Carney's Belgian blank game. 
Chocolate body paint. Oh. oh. <laughs> what do you have? I had chocolate going. I'll have to go beer going then. I had, I had brothels for my backup one. Careful. <laughs> Muscles. I I had Carney's Belgian Belch game. <laughs> Belgian Belch game. You know you know what the Belgian Belch. You know yeah. what it is. Oh, it's uh, anyway. Oh, Something no. else you can't say. I can't say it on Zoom. Google that one. Uh, next one. Uh, well, the actual answer for that was was Carney's Belgian waiting game. So uh, mm. I think he's obviously he's waiting to hear back whether or not the Andalek is it. Andalek, yeah. good, good move. The type he gets it. Going to sign. I mean, he, every time he plays for the Socceroos without a club, he look, it's yeah. amazing. Well, let's hope Cheezel will uh, get a club soon because he certainly <laughs> plays well for the Socceroos. Uh, next one, Aloisi Blank, his goal joy. Any takers on that? Remembers. One? <laughs> <laughs> got old man Aloisi forgets his goal goal joy. Um, Again, adding oh, words and adding, adding before what's in the middle. I didn't hear because that's too long. You can't fit that onto a web page, surely. Anything from you, Aiden, or are you? No, I was just—I was actually onto the Herbert gutted by Phoenix. All right, well, the other one was Herbert gutted by, by Phoenix. Phoenix Knights. Uh, yeah, I like it. It's very good. Fisherman. <laughs> What? Gutted. Oh, stick to your braces, you. You and your pheasants. Fishing and hunting. (laughs) It is. It should be sponsored by Horse and Hound podcast (laughs) or something. And the final one for this uh, slightly questionable segment is Hoffman gives Kalina blank. (laughs) All right, stick with me on this one. (laughs) Life jacket. As in the Hoff. Baywatch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hoffman gives Kalina a life jacket. Okay. I think Hoffman gives Kalina away. Ooh. As in, they get married. He's his father. No, it's getting too crazy now. Sorry. No. Well, Can God, I... It's like the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Very strange. And Trevor, are you going to go uh, even more One strange? night in heaven. That's, a, that's three boys. The one that, that admit Lucas talks. I, I actually had Hansford for that. I had Paul Hansford yeah. as well. What? Or, or Paul, I had, thought Lucas had spoke his first words. Oh, oh. there you go, my son. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, I always get the K and the C mixed up. So, uh, well, look, I think we need to swiftly move on from a uh, segment that may not uh, yeah. see the light of day again. I think more significant and over and under add it on that. I reckon. All right, it's always worth the try. Is that fault? I mean, obviously, it's not as funny as who. We hope. Well, I, we didn't be. have a. Br- I didn't know what the rules were. So I was just yeah, flying by the, you know. Helps anyway. if you read your notes. Yeah, well, I was just, it wasn't there, but anyway. Well, uh, moving on, that's it. the end of that segment. But make sure you join us after the break as uh, we'll be previewing all of the round two clashes in the Hyundai A League. Join us then. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe. The Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 
300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. Goldrick Farmerland solicitors are here to help all sporting people, whether individuals, clubs or corporates, right across every code of sport in Australia and around the world. Goldrick Farmerland solicitors offer professional advice from their lawyers and sports consultants. Whether it's negotiating or renewing contracts or securing the best arrangements for your personal, business or property interests, Goldrick Farmerland solicitors have the team for you. Contact partner Barry Milan now on 02 or visit www.gfm.com.au. Cars Guide now have their own weekly podcast. Log on to carsguide.com.au and download the latest edition of Cars Guide Radio each week. All the latest automotive news, interviews with industry leaders, road safety advice, driving and car tips, and lots of fun. So, if you're a car nut, join Joel Helms for Cars Guide Radio, available at carsguide.com.au or search for Cars Guide Radio. On iTunes. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast, and we're into the home stretch now. We're going to have a look at the round two clashes in the A League. Give them a little preview and give you our nuggets of wisdom. Starting up on Friday is Central Coast Mariners against Newcastle Jets at Blue Tongue Stadium. Another F3 derby and both of the teams are going to avoid or looking to avoid creating new club records. The Mariners have uh, never lost more than three home matches and Newcastle are looking to avoid a similar record having lost their previous five (coughs) away matches. So something's got to give. Where do you see this one falling? Well, I don't know, Jack, I, I fancy the Jets. I think a yeah. uh, good surface. Um, I'm told it's a very good surface now back at Blue Tongue. Uh, confident. I think Hoffman's confident. Uh, he was telling me that during the week that it's all about confidence with him and he's sky high at the moment. I just I just think that they've got enough going forward with uh, Song, Petrovsky and, of course, Lubo from the back. I just, I just sense that uh, at home the Mariners aren't quite the same side as we saw last week. See many goals in it? Um... I don't, to be honest. I think it'd be I think it'd be one goal either way. We'll uh, we'll win it. I'm gonna go the other way. I actually think the Mariners will will nick the will win it by the odd goal. No, I'll even the balance and say a draw. Then it's gonna be tight either way. I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. And then moving on to Saturday, we have the big Queensland derby. Gold Coast United against North Queensland Fury played at Skilled Park, 5:30 p.m. local time. Um, I, th- I think the Gold Coast um, will win that, but North Queensland put a bit of a fight. I'm most interested in the crowd figure on that actually. Um, I know uh, Clyde Palmer was making comments about he thinks that the Gold Coast would do well to average six or seven thousand in their first season. Mm. Um, that sounds a bit low to me, to be perfectly honest with you. I can't believe with all the money they put into the club, they couldn't get more than that. So yeah, I think they'll win on the pitch, but more interested in the crowd figure. Well, I'm told that they've sold two thousand memberships, which is a bit concerning when when you consider the amount of money behind the club. I spoke to somebody on the ground yesterday who works at grassroots level, um, and he said that the the support is growing, but it's it's a long-term thing. Yeah, I mean, the good thing—the good thing about it is—is is that they've got an owner that, you know, the crowd isn't going to be the difference between him sticking with it or not. You know, it's not like that—that's going to sort of tip things over the line. But you, I, I think the thing that might hurt them 
given that they've got a, a, a finite catchment area up there is that the Titans have just made their first finals in the rugby league so I think they might you know they, they might take a while for crowds to pick up probably sort of like October, November mm. but um, they're getting about 15,000 aren't they the Titans is that right? Mm. Yeah and, and they, they got a, a much bigger average than that in their first season then it dropped quite significantly mm. but you know you'd think that they'll pick up and they're playing the Sunday aren't they? Yeah um, so it's what Saturday so that's people may just pick one to the other so yeah, yeah look, it's a big, big game for North Queensland I think um, yeah. you know because coming off the back of a, as you say an honourable defeat is can they then back that up and, and go out and play and start better than they did against Sydney because it, you know they, they threw two new players in that, that hadn't really even trained with them for that game Darren Dale yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know with a week under their belt training you know can um, can they come out of the blocks a bit quicker than they did against Sydney and you know I, I think they might they might have enough to worry them a little bit I don't think the Gold Coast are going to run them over in that game I still think they'll win though no I yeah. think they'll win yeah. but I think it'll be tight Trevor who do you think, Where do you oh, think Gold Coast yeah. Yeah. yeah I think second game of the double header Melbourne victory against Brisbane Roar or Etihad Stadium Melbourne are going to need to uh, do something special to get themselves out of that rut that they... I mean, it's only one game, but mm. they're going to need to show a little bit more spark and a bit more bite to, to the season or mm. it's going to get away from them quickly, isn't it? Tough, tough visit as well. Brisbane always good on their travels, so um, yeah. they'll give them a good battle. I think they'll be a draw, that one, actually. I think Melbourne might have to wait another week for their first win. I think, actually, it's actually better for Melbourne not to have Muskie because I think last year when, when I think Zulo and I think it might have been Minicon just skinned them for pace every time, cutting inside and I think scored uh, after coming on a sub so I think that's a really dangerous game but I, I tip Brisbane for that one do you see Brisbane still progressing I mean they've been they've been slowly going forward and forward every season if they continue doing that logic says that they're going to be a grand final team next this year do you, do you see them progressing that far or have they reached um, their peak I mean, it's obviously it's a bit early after one game but you look at them and you think well do, do the other sides know what they're going to get with, with Brisbane now and I think they mm. probably do um, and like you're saying, it's whether they then legislate for that, as we were saying, you know, with with, uh, with Melbourne last week. Even though they knew how the Mariners were going to play, they, they couldn't legislate for it. So, so I think that would be interesting to see. I, I mean, I, I, I fancy Brisbane to, to cause an upset there because yeah. you know, I think Melbourne would take a while to regroup without Musket, and I think Brisbane could catch them on the hop there. Hmm. Sunday's game, Westpac Stadium in Wellington, <coughs> the Phoenix, Phoenix against the Glory, one of the longest road mm. trips in uh, club football. Should be an interesting game. These ones where both teams are kind of struggling. I've written a, a small story in the, the the upcoming issue about how both teams could be in a little bit of trouble if uh, they don't if they win the wooden spoon this year, mm. with knives being out for for Phoenix and Perth after five years or well, four years of underachievement. I think as we talked about, you know, there's two teams there that need a win, you know, because uh, certainly Perth, especially if they lose their first two games. You know the pressure is going to start to build on uh, on uh, Mr. Mitchell a bit, but absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to see him go there and be positive. You know, I think um, I think that that actually has the that, that's one of those games that has the potential to be a four three yeah. because you know both those sides have, have really got nothing to lose. They both really need a win, and I hope that the two coaches just go for it. And there's Chris Greenacre and, and our Chris. Ah, Chris yes, yeah. but I'm, I'm surprised Perth didn't stop in Sydney. Though they're doing the whole trip in one. Uh, normally they would stop in Sydney and uh, have a day or two here, stretch. 
recover and then fly on. They're actually doing it all in one, which is a bit surprising. But uh, I mean, I'm, once we're finished with the podcast, I'll be making a phone call to New Zealand. There's a story that's brewing about Ricky Herbert, so uh, maybe we'll set it on the website pretty soon. It's, an, it's another close one. Looking at all these fixtures, they're quite hard to call, you know, home away or draw. So it's going to be quite interesting at the end. So I'm going to go for a draw in this one as well. I'm going to go for a draw. Okay. And the final game in, in this round of round two, Sydney FC against Adelaide United. Two teams that have got off to a winning start. Should be another another good game at Sydney. Are we expecting big crowds there from from the Sydney fans or could it rain and no one turns up again? I'd say the odds are, if there's one thing that's a certain bet, that it will rain when Sydney are at home. I think it's rained at least half the, half the games until mm. it's a summer league. It's unbelievable. This will be a good test for Sydney. This will be a good yard to see where they're at because Sydney and Adelaide... You know, traditionally, aside that, that are there or thereabouts, that, that you know, and and generally, how these two sides do against each other has a big bearing on their season. So if Sydney consistently do well against Adelaide, they, they make the finals. If they don't, they miss out. So I think it'd be a good yardstick. It also tells us a lot about Adelaide. So you know, they had a solid win. Can they back that up on the road? Um, I'm probably going to tip Sydney to win that. Though, I think. Why? Because I think the confidence that they got. The confidence they got collectively and the confidence especially that Aloisi will have got from that individually. I think we'll see a, a motivated John Aloisi looking mm. to to you know lay to rest a fair few demons from last season at, at, at the SFS. You know, mm. remember that image of him in the net with his head in his hands. I think he's gonna want to go out there and score in front of the home crowd and, and finally sort of lay that ghost. I, I just sense that Adelaide will get something out of it because I think Fifey uh, was outstanding last week. He knows Aloisi very well, and I think defensively, I think that they can probably contain them better than North Queensland contained them. And I think the way they're playing at the moment, I think Ross was telling me, Ross Aloisi was saying that if they play a similar way, which is play, they defended a lot higher up in the park against uh, Perth. And I think if they play the same way against Sydney, Sydney's midfield is a really dangerous midfield. If they can, if they can squeeze that midfield, I think they might get something out of that game. But I, I think it'll be a fifteen to eighteen thousand crowd. Um, of course, it'll rain, but uh, yeah, I, th- I sense it could be one of those two-two draws. Mm, I think one-nil Sydney, five phone goal. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's all. Our, that's our look at round two all wrapped up. I'd like to thank the lads for participating in the podcast today, and also to you, the listeners, for giving us uh, your time. Don't forget the September edition of 442 is out now, the big season preview with EPL and A-League rundown. And you can also listen to the podcast on the interpipe at au.442.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to check back with us next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.